Scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Listen to God's most holy word. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech or ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. May God richly add the blessing of the reading of his word. When I was accepted to become a Navy chaplain, I never imagined how challenging and exciting this ministry would be of how the Lord would use me in the service. During my 20 years as a chaplain, the Lord had given me many opportunities to share the gospel. During my very first tour as a chaplain, I was sent right away to the Marine Corps, Jacksonville, North Carolina. And so I was thinking of many ways in which I could present the gospel to the Marines. And one way I I came up with was to preach the gospel uh, to the Marines this way. It was to have services in the workspaces where they worked in di- on different national religious events like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. I would do about 10 to 12 services lasting only about 15 minutes each in each workspace. And during the week, I would do that. Usually... I set them up in the morning, so it would be the first thing in the morning, so they'd have the service, and then we would, they would go on and do their work. One day during the time I was given Easter services, I received a call from a sergeant major, and he asked me, he said, listen, I, I don't want you to come in the morning, but I want you to come at 1600. Now, for you civilians, you know what 1600 is? 4 p.m. Very good. I did not know the reason why the sergeant major wanted me to come at 1600 or 4 o'clock to have the service, but I said at least he, he wants me to have a service. That's a good sign. When I arrived, I got there, was a big hangar, and there's 400 Marines sandwiched into this hangar, all in the work area, and in order for them to see me, the sergeant major said, hey, chaplain, get up on the desk. So there I am, when I was climbing up on the desk, my Bible in my hand, preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ to 400 Marines. The reason I was asked to change the time was the Sergeant Major wanted me to conduct the service to both the day and the evening workers, and 4 o'clock was the time the Marines turned over in their shifts. Wow, I said, this is going to become a great ministry for me. As long as I ask God for opportunities and he answers those opportunities, this is going to be great. And the Lord continued to open up those many opportunities to me to preach the gospel. I was even able to place many gospel tracts and Bibles throughout their workspaces in the hangars at the duty station. And I can tell you, we had to keep them full. People took them. There, there are people out there that are looking to God for spiritual strength. 
While I was a command chaplain aboard the U.S. Yosemite, I designed a new cruise lounge for the junior enlisted sailors. And God opened up the doors, many hearts to me, because I took the interest of making a nice place for them to come and relax. You have to look for opportunities. You have to ask God to use you for opportunities. The Lord does give us those opportunities if we are willing to be used by him in evangelism. At the end of my career, as I was aboard the aircraft carrier USS Enterprise, as we began a six-month deployment, we faced a terrible accident where we lost four pilots from one squadron. The aircraft was coming in on a, on a flight deck. If you know anything about a flight deck, it's probably the most dangerous place to work. But the people were landing the planes, and they land them within seconds of each other. And so this plane was there on the flight deck, and the was ready to taxi, and another plane came in and, and hit the tail of that plane. And the pilots, there were four of them, it was an EA-6B, if you know what that is, and it went right into the water. All four pilots were lost. The two pilots that were hit, they, they parachuted, they, they ejected, and one landed up on the tower. If you remember, if you look at an aircraft carrier, a tower, it was hang, he was hanging on the tower, the other one went in the water. They were, they were burned. They were born, burned. And so they came to me, of course. I was the air wing chaplain. And, we, you know, you had to comfort these, the sailors, especially from the two different squadrons. I had eight squadrons on board. And so God used that opportunity for me to share the gospel with many, many people, many, many sailors and Marines. And we had a memorial service for the four sailors that were lost and there was, had to be 1,500 to 2,000. Because, you know, on an aircraft carrier, there's five to 6,000 people on an aircraft carrier. They, they was, there they were. And I was able to present the gospel to about over 15 to 2,000 people. And it's all because of this terrible accident. You see, you've got to look for opportunities to present the gospel. You see, my Christian friends, you have to be willing to be used by God by asking him for opportunities to preach the gospel, and he will answer your prayers. I sometimes think to myself and wonder if I did not heed God's call to be a missionary as a chaplain to our service men and women, of how many opportunities I would have missed to share Jesus Christ with them. You know, I was a hospice chaplain. I was a hospice chaplain for close to 10 years. God gave me so many opportunities to those who were, who were ready to, to see their God. And they were open and, and ready to hear the gospel. And I was there to present the gospel to them. My prayer each day was that God would open my patients' hearts and that they would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer for you is as you go out and as you go about, that you would have many opportunities as you see God use you to proclaim Jesus Christ to many people each day. For you see, God has saved us so that we may serve him and become his witnesses on earth. Jesus commanded us in the Great Commission to go out and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus commissions us to be his witnesses to all nations, think about it was right after his mighty resurrection. Think about... Jesus telling his disciples as he was about to leave earth what was on his mind and in his heart. And that was for his church to preach the gospel. And this was so important to our Savior.
to do before he ascended into heaven. If I were to ask you this question, why do you think you're here on earth as a believer? What would you say? What is the reason you're here? Worship and praise the Lord. To present his gospel to people. That's the reason we're here. We're here on earth for evangelism. And evangelism didn't start here. It has its roots in eternity. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit before the world was created together planned the salvation for sinners. It was called the covenant of redemption. In that plan, God the Father was ascendant the Son into the world to redeem it after Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God. God the Son voluntarily came into the world in order to merit salvation by his active obedience, by living a perfect, righteous life, and by his passive obedience of dying on the cross, shedding his blood, being buried, and then raised again. And God the Holy Spirit came to apply Christ's work of redemption by instilling, renewing grace with a sinner, and then he gives us a new nature. R.B. Kuyper, in his book titled God-Centered Evangelism, tells us that evangelism does not begin with us, but with God. Evangelism means good news. The word in Greek is euangelion, and it's composed of two Greek words. Eu, that means good, and angelion means news. It is the good news that we are to preach to the world, that Jesus has come to save sinners by his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Sometimes we think of evangelism in terms of results. You think about it, that, oh yeah, we, we, we present the gospel and the people get saved. Well, it's not in terms of results. Evangelism is simply just preaching the gospel. God does the results. God does the saving. When you all were praying for your loved ones there, we're praying for your loved ones to be saved, but we're also asking God to save them, not us. He uses us. He uses us. The goal of sharing our faith is to see people saved, but evangelism is only the proclamation of the gospel. All we are called to do as believers is to preach the gospel, and God does the saving. Praise the Lord that God does all the hard work. Amen. We are not the ones being rejected when we faithfully proclaim the gospel of sinners. God is the one that's being rejected. So it is, if God is the author of salvation and evangelism, it is he who saves and it's not us. How does it relate to us? We are God's means. We are God's instruments in saving sinners whom are the elect. And strange as it seems, God's plan is to include us believers and sinful people in his this great work. I, I love the verse, 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. It says this, On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Entrusted with the gospel. Do you understand what we have? We have been entrusted. God has given us his gospel and he's entrusting us with it to share it with others. What are we doing with his gospel? We are ambassadors living in a foreign land. Second Corinthians 5.20 states that we are Christ's ambassadors, although God were making his appeal through us. We employ you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. If you think about it, this is such a privilege and a responsibility for us to have. 
that God uses us to bring others to Christ. Just as some people were used in our lives to bring us to Jesus Christ. What a privilege and responsibility that we as believers to preach the gospel, for we have been entrusted with the gospel that can save lives and change them forever. i got to say to you this. When you came to know Christ, did your life get changed? <laughs> forever? Did it change your whole direction of life? Think about it. When I came to know Christ when I was 18, I, I couldn't believe the peace that I had if I, once I came to know him as my personal Savior and Lord. And it changed my direction of life. The night it was in my bedroom, and I felt called to the ministry. Told the pastor, and he said, well, you've got to go to Bible college. So I went to Bible college. Then I went to seminary. Then I went to do the rest of my life I've been doing this since 18. Why? Why would I want to give up my life? Because Jesus gave up his life for me. I mean, how are we doing? Have we followed our Savior and bringing the lost to him? Where has the church of Jesus Christ been in evangelizing the world? I think we can do more. Our Savior, the captain of our salvation, and the head of the church in our text in Matthew 9, 35 through 38, leads the way once again as he gives us a model of how to evangelize the world. Remember, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So let us be challenged as we examine and apply God's inspired word to our lives. Let us boldly go forth into the world from this place in the power of God by the Holy Spirit to see our neighbors, our friends at school, our co-workers, and even those in our families come to a saving faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us ask God every day for opportunities to witness for Jesus Christ. It's going to amaze you. Like it amazed me how many opportunities God gives you when you start asking for those opportunities to present with your life and even with your lips, Jesus Christ crucified, dead, buried, and risen again. Because the Holy Spirit is working in this world. He's using us to convict him of sin. There are people out there just ready and willing and ripe to hear the gospel. And you might be the one that shares that gospel. And what a blessing it is when they come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. So first of all, we see in our text in verse 35 of chapter 9 that Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Note how Jesus leads his church, us, by example. He went out to all the towns and all the villages or all the cities and all the villages. We need to get out into all the towns and the villages. Jesus didn't sit back on who, who he was. He had a great reputation. He, but he, and he didn't set up a shop at a certain location. But Jesus went out and about in the towns and the villages. If anyone could have sat back... And set up a headquarters by putting out a sign, free healing and teaching by the Messiah, Jesus could have done it. But Jesus, we read in our text, went out and about in all the towns and the villages. You know, he didn't just go into the big cities, but he, he, he I always think of this, he went in the nooks and the crannies. 
Not like the English muffin. He went into the small places. He didn't ignore them. He went into the nooks and the crannies. He went to the towns. He went to the villages. He didn't, he didn't we, oh, I'll just go to the big cities. No, he went to the countryside. He went to anywhere there were people willing and ready to hear the gospel of the kingdom. The Pharisees, though, they criticized Jesus, didn't they? The Son of God for eating and drinking with sinners. But Jesus knew that in order for people to believe in him, he had to go where they were and be with them. His enemies called him a friend of sinners, for he had freely associated with sinners. How could he? And he went to where people were and did not wait. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to them. He went to all the towns or cities, but he also did not ignore the little villages in the countryside. He went anywhere and was out and about. He was on the move. He was very aggressive. He did not wait for people to come to him. We see it in Matthew 4, 23-25. He went out. He went through Galilee, teaching the nursing gods, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And many heard about him and brought their sick to him so that they could heal them. Sometimes, my Christian friends, we need to go to some of the very dark places and corners in this world and preach the gospel to those who would not freely associate with, like the homeless or the poor, and even those who would never even enter into a church. We need to go out to them. Jesus was not afraid to be associated with lepers, the blind, the poor, And neither should we. We have no right to judge the people in the world because we were the people of the world. We have no right to go out there and judge them. Oh, look at them and look at them. We would would, would be just like them if it wasn't for the grace of God in our lives. I remember one time, I, and, and this is a story with the Marines. They were, they were all sitting around waiting to deploy, and I showed up. And all of a sudden, they, they closed up all the books they were looking at. And I said, what are you reading? Oh, they were reading Playboy. And I didn't go in there judging them for that. I, I, I judged them just because I showed up. They felt guilty as it was. And, and, and as it was, I, I was able to talk to them, witness to them. That's what we are to do. We are to judge. We are to witness to them. We are to be a witness to them. You know, Jesus didn't only go to the town of villages. He went to the synagogues as well. He went to the synagogues and talked to the Jews and preached the gospel to the Jews. He said, the Messiah is here. Here I am. Once when Jesus returned to Galilee, he stood up in the synagogue and he read from Isaiah chapter 61 about himself where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He was talking about himself. A prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61. And what were the people's response? They were amazed as they heard him in the synagogue that day and every time he went out to the synagogues. So he went to the Jews. He went to the Gentiles. He went to all peoples. How about us? Are we going out and about where we live and work and being a witness for Jesus Christ to the world? Or are we sitting idle, not saying a word about Jesus Christ to people, 
We need to be challenged by Jesus' example to be bold, even as the early church was bold, for they asked God for power to boldly preach the gospel, even in the face of persecution in Acts chapter 4. You know, you can witness anywhere you happen to be. Once, I was stuck in a long line in a store, and my wife will test that I don't like long lines. I usually am, am very impatient, and I'm always looking for the short line. But I happened to strike up a conversation with the person next to me, and he was a captive person because he was next to me, and he was behind me, and um, I could witness to him then. And he wasn't going to give up his place in line, so I knew I could talk to him about the Lord. Well, the person, uh, you know, the person there didn't believe, but he listened attentively, and uh, I said goodbye, God bless you, and all that. And, you know, God gives you opportunities when you least expect them. He surprises us all the time. And that's what you have to be willing to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You've got to know when to share the gospel with people and know the Word of God. I always say memorize God's scripture because it's going to come back so you can use it in your presentation of the gospel. Memorize it. We need to be open to his spirit. It begins with us planting the seed of the gospel in people's hearts. Second, we need to recognize the harvest. Verse 36. Note, when Jesus looked out at the multitudes or crowds, that the people, that the crowds followed him. You know, and he looked at the crowds and looked at them and he saw them as distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. The NIV uses that Jesus saw them as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The question I have for you is how do you view the world? Do you see people in the world without Christ as lost and condemned going to hell? There's a real urgency for us to be out and about the town and the villages preaching the gospel to the lost. Many of us have had missed opportunities with our loved ones and those we have come in contact with, with those who have died without Christ. We have kept silent the very gospel that could have saved them. The world through Jesus' eyes was harassed, distressed, dispirited, helpless, faint-hearted, and tired, without peace in their hearts. Jesus saw them as helpless, for no one except Jesus could help them in their lost and sinful condition. And no matter what they try to do to save themselves, either by being good or by doing good works, they could not be saved. They were totally lost. They were totally separated from God. And Jesus saw them as scattered abroad, confused, as sheep without a shepherd. The world is distracted. The world is dejected. They were distracted from all the world's pleasures that do not last forever. They were dejected or depressed, knowing that their lives really do not matter since they have found no more meaning or purpose in their lives. That's the world. That's the world. They go every day to work and come home. They get up and go to work and come home, never finding satisfaction in their things of this world. And Jesus saw the world in this way as lost, condemned, going to hell. How do you view people all around you who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord? Next time, I want you to see the people in the world with Jesus' eyes. With Jesus' eyes. And this will challenge you with the urgency to preach the gospel as you recognize the harvest, as Jesus recognized the harvest as a world that is lost and condemned.
Remember, if it was not for the grace of God in your life or someone telling you the gospel, you too would be harassed and helpless and like a sheep without a shepherd. What do you do without a shepherd? Not guiding you, not, not believing in God. I used to go to people in hospice, and this person was a Christian. And they, they knew and they had peace on their faces that they were going to go to heaven. And then I would go to another person who was scared to death, literally, because they had no hope. No hope of the gospel. How would you feel? What would you do? I had nothing but I just had love for that person. Just want to share the gospel, even if they not believe. But they would give them hope. And that's what we need to have, Jesus' eyes. We have to understand who we're talking to. People who are lost. People that are helpless. Thank him. God, every day that he's entrusted you with the gospel so that you can be used by God to bring people to Christ. The world, and I, and I think I can get amen on this, is a restless and without peace, right? Amen, right? But we know the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, who can save them from their sins. And yet sometimes we don't say anything. We don't say anything. Third, Jesus not only recognized the lost condition of the harvest, but he recognized the harvest is plentiful. You do not have to go far in this world to find lost people. You don't. We need to recognize that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest, my Christian friends, needs immediate attention. Someday Jesus Christ is going to come back again, and we don't know when, but it needs immediate attention. We need to go out and present the gospel to as many people as we can. There's so much work to do, and we should be out there doing it. God gave us all the resources to preach the gospel, including his Holy Spirit, who gives you strength, power, and boldness, so that we are without excuse. You know, I think the number one reason why we don't present the gospel to people is fear. Fear. We're afraid of what people might say about us. But remember, we're not getting rejected. God is. Jesus is rejected. You know, 1 Timothy 1.7, I'm going to take care of your fear for you. 1 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. We don't have to fear preaching the gospel, for God only wants you to care for the dark corner of your world. And as you do and as I do, we can reach the entire world for Jesus Christ with the light of the gospel. We will never be overwhelmed as each one of us takes this task, this enormous task, and does our part in our corner of the world. For you see, the large crowds that we see every day are headed for the day of death and for their final judgment. And they are going to hell without Jesus Christ. We must see the need for the church of Jesus Christ to preach the gospel to the lost. We must ask God to lead us as people. There's people out there who are ripe and ready to hear the Spirit of Christ, God, the Holy Spirit of Christ, to lead those to the Holy Spirit of Christ. I challenge you by God's infallible and inspired word to, to witness to somebody. Ask God for those people in your life that you could talk to about Christ. You know, I, the fourth point is a contrast to my third point. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What an enormous task we do have. 
We need to redeem the time. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus fixes his eyes on the few disciples in the midst of the huge crowds, and he tells them that those who are called are few in number compared to those who are not called. In Matthew seven thirteen to 14, Jesus tells us, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You know, many are invited. There's a universal offer of the gospel to the world, but only a few will be called to believe. And we must, the call that are few, go out and about to the towns and the cities and the villages, work in the harvest by preaching the gospel, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Fifth point is that Jesus tells his disciples to ask or beseech the harvest of the of the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Prayer and evangelism are so important. Prayer and evangelism are so important. Jesus says to you, ask the Lord to get the workers out there into the harvest. You know, we are, we are to pray for workers to go in the harvest. Sometimes that answer to your prayer is going to be you. You know, I think of I think of missionaries and I think of people that go out into they sacrifice much to leave this the comforts of home and they preach in in awful conditions. Why? Because they want people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lastly, my sixth point, and I skipped the most important point from our text for last. We need to display compassion to the lost world. Verse thirty six. In this point, we see not only how Jesus saw the world with his eyes, but we also see how he acts with his heart. In verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Maybe the reason we're not so compelled to preach the gospel to the lost is because we really do not have the same love and compassion that Jesus had for the lost. This is very convicting to me, for I have the tendency, and I'm sure you have the tendency, to get wrapped up in our own lives and forget why we're here on earth. And that is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I forget at times that this earth is not my home. Jesus takes the world's lost condition to heart, and so we must follow his example. He is deeply moved with compassion or sympathy or pity, for they cannot save themselves. They are helpless. He is burdened for the loss. Are we burdened for the loss? We read in Mark 8, 1 through 3, that it was compassion for the multitudes that Jesus fed over 4,000 people. We see Jesus crying over Jerusalem, long to gather Israel like a hen gathers her chicks, but they are not willing. When's the last time, this is a serious question, that you actually cried over the lost condition of the world? When's the last time, let's get more personal, that you cried over a family member that would not come to believe in Christ. Or a neighbor, or a fellow student, or a co-worker, or a friend. This is convicting me, because I have neighbors I don't talk to that often. But maybe I should. Listen to me. You will never preach the gospel if you do not have Jesus' heart of compassion for the lost. For when people of the world see Christ's compassion in you, think of the witness you will have as you care for them. I really believe this in my heart, 
And I think it's truly biblical that the local church is the only hope for the world. True biblical churches that God has put together here on earth is the only hope for the world. You know, Jesus is a great shepherd. He's our shepherd. May he lead us to people who need to hear the gospel. Let us recognize the harvest. Let us know there's plenty. Let us recognize that the workers are few. Let us pray for workers. Let us display the world the same compassion love Jesus had. And begin to ask God for opportunities. If you get anything out of this sermon, just ask for God. Give me opportunities to set, to just talk to someone about Christ. It could be a complete stranger, whatever. It could be your neighbor. It could be anybody. Talk to someone. And, and then, as I preached the, the sermon last time on discipleship, disciple them. Bring them to church. Get them to hear God's word on a weekly basis and do Bible study or do something with them. It could be a one-time occurrence. It could be someone that you have a relationship with. Just preach the gospel. And now this is the most serious part. Maybe someone here does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. They've never asked Jesus into their life. They never repented of their sin. They never said to God, I'm sorry for my sin and I need you right now. Um, you feel scattered, you're depressed, your life is a mess because you try to live it on your own terms. If you are not 100% sure that you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, I invite you to come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right now. You need to repent of your sin, you need to believe that Jesus Christ died and was buried and risen again for you. You need to come to the cross with empty hands, you need to lay your sinful life at the foot of the cross, believing that Jesus shed his blood for you and that he died in your place to give you forgiveness of your sins and eternal life. And once you make that commitment to Jesus and you believe in him, then you're going to want to tell others about him, just like the early disciples did. If you truly believed in Jesus Christ and you want to believe in Jesus Christ and you're not sure that you are a Christian, come talk to one of the elders. We'd be ready and willing to talk to you. But I do, want to, I do want to challenge you. Don't leave this place without knowing who Jesus Christ truly is. Because Jesus Christ can change your life completely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask, Lord, let your spirit work in us. That we, Lord, ask your forgiveness when we had opportunities to share Christ and we didn't. We thank you time for the times that you, we have shared Christ with others, and, and even they haven't come to believe, but we planted a seed. We have shared Christ, Lord, with uh, others, Father, and they came to believe, Lord. What a blessing that is. But help us, Lord, to be a, a strong witness, a church here at Springs that is a strong witness for the gospel. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, I pray, Lord that you would lead them to Christ. Lord, it's humbling to come to know Christ because we have to admit that we're sinners. Sinners that need to repent. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with those hearts, Lord, that are not sure totally about their salvation in Christ. Be with us who know Christ, Lord. Help us to share the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.